0: Exodus chapter 20, from verses 1 to 15. Uh, and we have been uh, doing this ministry on the 10th commandments. And the context here is remember that Israel was delivered from slavery. And today, as we go to the 8th commandment, God will show us how, we are to gu- how they are to handle the things that, that have been given to them and the resources God has given to them. So. Again, Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 15. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter you shall not steal. This is the word of the Lord. That's mine.
1: There is an insatiable desire in all of us for more, isn't there? And I certainly had that as a kid. Um, I used to mow four or five yards a week to save money, but I was saving it for a reason. Uh, I had the goal of buying the latest, latest stereo system, latest golf equipment, latest things that I was interested in. And uh, that insatiable desire to get things uh, went not sometimes to not so good places. When I was about 12, my mom took me to a department store uh, to get some school supplies. I had to start working on a project that required these little 3x5 cards where you make notes and things like that. So I went to the store, and I found the 3x5 cards, and, and I looked at the price, and I thought to myself, huh, that's kind of expensive for this just amount of cards, there's not much to this. And uh, I even thought to myself, you know, I could use some more cards, because this is going to take a lot of work. So uh, the cards were wrapped in just this little paper wrapper just going around the cards, that was it. And I looked to my left and looked to my right, and I took another a set of cards and pulled out a few of those and shoved those in to uh, the original wrapper that I was going to pur- purchase. So I went from having like 100 3x5 cards to 110 or 120. Went to the counter where my mom was waiting. She bought the stuff. We left. When we got in the car, uh, being so proud of my cleverness, I announced to her I just got a great deal I took some cards from one wrapper and put them in the other. Am I not brilliant? I'll never forget. My mom looked at me. She said, son, that's stealing. And uh, I froze realizing what I had just done. And if I recall correctly, she sent me right back into the store with some money. I bought the other uh, wrapper of three-by-five cards that I'd taken some out of. But I'll tell you this. I'll never forget the experience. And this proves that we all have, and I even have, an insatiable desire for more. Today we're going to look at the Eighth Commandment and the desire for more in the human heart. And we're going to look in particular at you shall not steal. And most of us here don't think of ourselves as thieves. I mean, how many of us here think when you see you shall not steal, you immediately go to, well, I haven't robbed a bank or I haven't taken anything from my neighbors or anything like that. And yet the Eighth Commandment uh, gives us an opportunity to talk about what it means to be a manager of the good gifts that God our Father gives us and how we can move from a destructive life of theft to a very different way of living. So we're going to talk about that uh, bad way and even the constructive holy fulfilling way that God calls us to live. So here are our questions today. What does it mean to walk the path from destruct- destructive stealing to generous love? And then what is the real gospel for us that doesn't steal but gives? Now, you're going to find your outline on the screen today, or if you're watching online, you'll find it on your bulletin that you can find in your email And we're going to talk about the spiritual issues of theft, we're going to talk about the way of generous love, and we're going to talk about the Christ who is the very opposite of stealing. So, we'll start with the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal. And this commandment is a call not to take another person's property in unjust ways, nor do we violate their rights with no intent to return the things that we take from them. This not only applies, just so we're clear, to the common criminal, even to the poor, which we often uh, put on, it applies to the rich as well. There are such things as rich thieves. Think of a few bad Apple bankers, for example, in the 2008 recession. Was that not full of some thieves? This law is so important that it shows up in case law throughout the Old Testament Torah or Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. It shows up throughout the prophets over and over again. Even Jesus says this very law multiple times in his ministry, brings it up and quotes it. And he does so for a big reason. And that's because stealing rips at the fabric of relationships and trust in a community. Now, you've got to remember the eighth commandment comes in the second table of the Ten Commandments. Remember, the first four commandments have to do with the vertical with God, how we relate to Him. And then the last four, the last six, excuse me, have to do with the horizontal and how we deal in our love with, with people and our neighbor. Stealing is the opposite of love, and it breaks trust with God. Just a month ago, Elizabeth and I were in Williamsburg, Virginia, helping uh, her parents to move out of their uh, home of 50 years into an independent living facility, and uh, uh, while we were up there, I got a few emails and texts from people. Apparently, someone was emailing people in our congregation using my name. They were using some form of identity theft uh, and were trying to... um, get something from other people. Now, uh, happily, it didn't get out of control, but I have to tell you, I was really troubled by this, that someone was trying to use me to get what they want. Now, the same is true of God and of other people. If someone steals, it breaches relationship. It's offensive to God. Now, if anyone's ever stolen anything from you or an organization you're a part of, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, we have to ask at this point, what motivates people to steal? What are the spiritual issues involved? Well, certainly everyone has a story that informs the desperate acts of theft. I mean, the story of the Israelites uh, in our very text has, has a version of this. They came out of Egypt where Egypt had stolen from them. And you're thinking, well, how did Egypt steal from them? They were enslaved for hundreds of years and used for their labor and never compensated for it. That's theft. Slavery is theft. Now, there are two big spiritual issues that inform stealing with us and even with the nations like Egypt and in the Bible. And I'm going to highlight these two for now. And it's mistrust and greed, mistrust and greed. Now, the first problem is what I would call a serious mistrust of God's ownership and his providence. The Bible teaches very plainly that God is the owner of everything. It's everywhere in scriptures. You heard it from Psalm 24 earlier, the earth is the Lord and all that is in it. Psalm 50 says, God owns a cattle on a thousand hills by virtue of his place as creator of the world. God is the ultimate owner of everything. Now, the part we struggle with is trusting in the fact that he has good intentions in his ownership and even in his fathership of us and his providential care. God already gives us everything we have, our homes, our careers, our talents, the money we make. All good gifts come from him. But you got to understand, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Let me put it another way. He owns houses on a thousand hills. He owns the cars on a thousand hills. He owns the careers on a thousand hills. Your stuff is actually his stuff. Now the question for us is, do you trust the Lord? Not only given his history of providing for you, do you trust him to provide what you need today and even in the future? The second spiritual issue that we run into with theft is this. It's greed. And I'll add it's very close relative, envy. Greed is the inordinate desire for something in this world because it, 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 we're blinded to God's goodness. Uh, and what about envy? Well, jealousy is wanting what someone has, but have you ever thought what envy is? Envy is when you say, I want what you have. And I don't want you to have what you have. That's what envy is. Let me ask you guys a question. In light of greed and envy, have you ever eaten a monkey? I have. I actually have. I've had a little bit of monkey before. And it's interesting how you get monkey as meat. (laughs) Do you know that they catch monkeys in the Philippines and they do it this way. Monkeys are super smart. They take a coconut, the people take a coconut and they drill a little hole in it, just big enough for a monkey to get its hand into. And in the coconut, they actually put a little piece of aromatic candy so they can smell it and that they can try and grab it. And then what they do is they nail that coconut to the ground or chain it to the ground, and when the monkey comes, he puts his hand, he grabs the, the uh, candy, but when he makes a fist, he cannot get his hand out, but here's the crazy thing, you ready for this, when men come around with clubs to beat them to death, so they can get dinner with, an, um, with a monkey, the monkeys won't let go, they will not let go, That's what greed and envy will do to you, leave you in this place of death because you won't let go. What's the problem with not trusting God and His providence of not letting go in greed? Well, when we start, what what happens when you stop trusting God is you will start to trust something else. You know what that's called in the Bible, idolatry. Idolatry. In fact, the Bible calls greed idolatry. And you've got to know that idolatry feeds theft, and theft feeds idolatry. They feed each other. Jesus talked about this. In fact, a lot of his illustrations, a lot of his uh, parables and instruction uh, talks at length about both money and how to handle money. And that's because he knows us. He knows we are wowed by more in this world and that stealing and idolatry will go together. Let me be clear. Money is not the problem. Money is a gift from God. It's given to us in all the forms that we enjoy it with our material goods as well as what we get paid in our careers. The problem is the love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Take, for example, the story of the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10. This young man comes up to Jesus and he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that's a revealing f- question that has all kinds of problems in, it, in and of itself. But Jesus indulges him and he says, why do you call me good? You know the commandments. And here's what he does. He lists all the second table of the commandments, including our commandment today, you shall not steal. And after he lists this, Uh, The man uh, with lack of self-awareness confidently says, I have kept all these from my youth. (laughs) And here's the kind of cool thing about our Lord Jesus. He looks at him, and this is what it says, he looked at him in love. And this is what he says, you lack one thing, go and sell all you have and give to the poor, and this is key, and follow me. The young ruler left in sorrow. Why? Because he trusted money more than Jesus. In other words, he couldn't obey the first commandment. Follow me as you shall have no other gods before me. Money won out with him. Now, let's be clear. Jesus is not universalizing that all of us sell our goods uh, like the rich young ruler. This is a specific application to this young man in this text but the principle is the same jesus wants to be first over our stuff he wants to be lord over it and more important than that in fact jesus warns in matthew 6 no one can serve two masters for either one will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve both god and money So in light of this truth, we have to ask, what is the opposite of mistrust and greed? How do we fight envy? And here's the key. You find your satisfaction and contentment in the Lord himself first. See, we all have this God-shaped vacuum in our hearts. We all have this vacuum, and we want to fill it with more. And so sometimes we'll cut corners to do that. But to know the Lord, to love the Lord, to pursue Him as your very great reward first is the key to satisfaction. And let me add, in a place where we are well-honed consumers, Americans are some of the best consumers in the world. We know our stuff about consumption. Let me encourage you. We're called to seek the Lord for himself first, not just for the stuff he gives us. Get to know the Lord Jesus in all his greatness and as your provider. Get to know him and replace the insatiable desire for more with a desire for the Holy Spirit. And yes, consider that you have an eternal reward in heaven and there's going to be a new earth one day when we have the new earth and all that goes in a resurrected world with resurrected bodies. We're going to have crazy kind of riches that are coming one day. And that comes for those who trust in Christ alone. So with Christ in mind, take the long view. The long view with trust and satisfaction, Him waiting on Him be content with what you have, as Hebrews 13 says, and build up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. So, the spiritual issues behind theft stem from idolatry and mistrust with greed and with envy. But the cure, the cure comes from this satisfaction with the Lord Jesus and his spiritual blessings first. Now, most of us here are thinking, okay, Dean, we've covered this pretty hard but what is stealing? I mean, let's get clear on this. Yeah, it's, if it isn't just robbing a bank or taking my neighbor's belongings, what is it? Well, remember, there are negative aspects to this command of what we shouldn't do, and there are also positive aspects to the command what we should do. And, and let me just kind of headline it this way. We should not rob our neighbor, our business, and our God. You can rob your neighbor. By borrowing something and never returning it. You can loan money to family or friends at a ridiculous interest rate. Stealing is not paying your taxes or or cheating on them. Stealing can be living far beyond your means and worse, putting on airs about it. Now, we should not rob businesses either. Practically, employees Should not steal things from their employer or embezzle. Don't even take staples from work or three by five cards home without paying for them. Embezzlement, you see, always begins with little compromises. Don't think people jump to big embezzlement fast. It always starts with little compromises. Take, for example, Bernie Madoff and his giant Ponzi scheme years ago. He started with little compromises trying to make things work and it led to a disaster for many. On the other hand, employers, bosses who are in the room should pay their employees a competitive wage. Business leaders should not cheat by taking shortcuts in pricing with inflated price points. They should also honor their contracts and not cheat those who do business with them in those contracts. So, that's how not to rob your neighbor and your business. But here's the part we don't think about very often. You can also rob God. You can also rob God. God calls us to give to Him, uh, and particularly to give first fruits. In Malachi 3, He accuses His own people. Back in the Old Testament, of holding back their tithes and offerings. Not giving to the Lord was troubling to him because he wanted the first fruits of all that they enjoyed and the blessings that came from him. Now, I know what people would say to this. I I understand. There's many of us that are saying, Dean, man, that's really hard to give this whole tithe thing or even giving above and beyond tithe. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Well, let me tell you something. Elizabeth and I started ministry 20-some years ago and my first pastoral job did not get paid a whole lot at all. And yet we tithed. And over the years we have grown so that we give above and beyond the tithe. And I can tell you what is amazing to me in all of this is that God keeps blessing us and in his grace and his kindness and he takes care of us when things, when times were hard and tight. And yes, even when times are good, and here's why guys, you're ready for this, and you've got to really believe this. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive Him. You think you try? You can't. That's why He wants us to be generous to us in powerful ways. Now as sure as I bring some of these, these things up, some of us are going, man, I'm feeling it right now. This is a high bar of fiscal responsibility with the Lord. I mean, some of us could say, I don't manage the Lord's resources well. I don't trust him with money. I get stressed out and I want to take shortcuts. Sometimes I have taken shortcuts. What hope do I have? No doubt, to steal is to be in debt with the Lord, the debt of sin that is too big for you and I to pay. But the gospel is, while you may have taken shortcuts of theft with your neighbor or business or even God, Jesus hasn't. Jesus has't. Jesus Christ says this: "The Son of Man did not come unto the world uh, to serve, but to, to be served, but to serve. And this is key: to give his life as a ransom for many. He didn't steal. He gave. This is what's so amazing about grace is God rescues the thief. Think of Zacchaeus, the tax collector who skimmed money from the top of taxes and enriched himself at other people's expense in the Gospels, and everybody knew it. But to the shock of everyone in the community, Jesus entered his life and rescued him. You see, where you cannot pay Christ has paid his, with his life as a ransom for you and for me. So, there are the negative aspects of, the, of uh, this commandment, with the gospel of Jesus paying our ransom where we fall short. That brings a question well, then, what are the positive applications of this command? What should we do to love well? Why well, won't you to give you three quick ways? on how we love well relative to this. And the first way is this, we are to trust the Lord and steward the Lord's resources well. Trust the Lord and steward the Lord's resources well. Remember, your house, your cars, your material goods are not yours. They belong to the Lord. He is the true owner. So include the Lord when you buy things, take care of them and consider how to use them for the kingdom. Be a steward of the gifts you have, whether you have a small amount of money and resources and things, or whether you have great ones. Be a steward for the Lord. I encourage everyone here when COVID lifts and we come out of this, invite your neighbors over. Have a party in your neighborhood. Reconnect in community, as as Catherine said earlier. So important. We're so disconnected now because of this thing. Now, granted, may take time for COVID to finally and fully lift, but pray about opening your home and using it for kingdom purposes like that. Next, trust in the Lord and work with a giving purpose. Let me say it again. Trust in the Lord and work with a giving purpose. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says this in Ephesians 4, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that. He may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, all of us here, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, would say, yeah, stealing's bad. You need to learn to work hard and live within your means. I mean, everybody would agree with that, right? But the Bible says something really different. It says this. Instead of work hard and enjoy the fruits of your labors, it says you and I are blessed to be a blessing. The opposite of stealing isn't just Working, but working with the purpose of sharing and giving. Now, I'm not talking about giving to the church alone. Just so you know, this isn't a kind of self-serving thing. I'm talking about to neighbors, your family members who are struggling, and friends. You prepare yourself so you can help take care of others. If you are super blessed, and I got to say most of us here are rich compared to the rest of the world, God is giving you resources to enjoy and to give away, both and. Now Here's the last thing. Trust in the Lord, and as the Westminster Catechism says, help others procure and preserve wealth. Help others procure and preserve wealth. Now, the Bible has all kinds of warnings about the rich taking advantage of the poor. The Westminster Catechism Scriptures like Amos and even the Koinonia collections of the book of Acts all focus on helping people. It is a sin to have resources and not use them to help people. Our job is to share with the poorest of the poor in our community, those immediately around us, in our church taking care of one another, and in these concentric circles even reaching out into the community. This is why Carl Henry has said that we, as evangelicals, have an uneasy conscience. We like offering the gospel. We like our worship. We like even doing some evangelism with people. But the whole idea of leaning in when people are struggling is a real challenge for us. Now, I want to be clear. We don't want to be big SJ social justice warriors. But we are little SJs for the kingdom we are that for Jesus, starting in the church. So, what's the opposite of stealing? Give in generous love. Give in generous love. Generosity with joy is the mark of the Christian. Generosity of love in all its forms, not just money, is the mark of someone who has received generous love from Jesus. Remember, Jesus said that, Love one another as I have loved you. Meaning, you cannot give generously what you haven't received. Follow Jesus into generosity in all of your life, not just with the money. Give because he loved you first. One last thought on Jesus and all this. We've talked about Jesus being a ransom, but have you ever thought about this? that Jesus is our restitution? Do you know the book of Exodus has an extended section of case law on how people should return money to those they have stolen from or damage their property? And the interesting thing is this. The law tells thieves to pay twice as much as they stole. Zacchaeus, remember how I brought him up earlier? paid four times as much. Proverbs 6 says that the the one who steals food should pay six, seven times as much. Excuse me. Why is the Bible doing this? Why is the Bible doing this? You see, here's why. In theft, not only was the thing taken, but the relationship was broken. Giving more twofold fourfold manyfold, is the way to restore relationship in good faith jesus christ died on the cross for you and for me as restitution paying the debt of our sin and restoring relationship with us it wasn't just paying the exact law price he was connecting us to god in relationship he was generous in his love and restitution So we could be reconnected to Him and to each other. You see, generosity isn't just a duty or a financial thing, it's first and foremost a relational thing. A few years after I stole that three by five card, those three by five cards, I became a follower of Jesus Christ. And one day I was out playing golf one weekend with my dad, I think it was, and friends. We were driving golf cart around and and I was driving and I lost control of the golf cart and ran into a metal pole. It tore up the front of the golf cart, although I could still keep driving it. Now you gotta know, with some of us in golf circles, you just when you're finished with your round, you just turn the cart in and don't tell them about it. Now old Dean would have done that because, oh, it's just gonna cost too much. I mean, I was only like fifteen, sixteen years old. So I asked my dad what we should do because my dad had become a Christian too in the recent past. And we walked in and we told the guys running the, the pro shop what I had done and I offered to pay the damage. Cost me about 100 bucks. That's 30 some years ago. But the guy went out of his way to say, You got to know something. This never happens. People don't tell when they do damage to our golf cart, carts. And I got to tell you, I, I'm not going to take credit for this. It was Jesus who changed me. It was Jesus who changed me, and the result was I connected with that guy. He engaged me in a way like I don't think he engaged with other people who walked in the door that day. You see, ransom and restitution changes the relationship. Generosity changes the relationship. Christ has paid restitution for you and me. Let's learn a new way of love, a giving kind of love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we can't thank you enough uh, as we approach you in light of this command, which has a lot of challenges for us financially uh, and how we handle all the resources you've given us. We pray today that as we come to you as a body, even as individuals, we would feel free to, Lord, surrender to you to give up our, our death grip on the stuff of our lives and our future financially and to just rest in you for a little while. I pray you give us that sense, Lord, as we find our satisfaction in you and, Lord, as we enjoy how generous you have been, you are and you will be with us. We are in you and you are in us. So Jesus, lead us to this life of giving love in Christ's name.